This is what you call a paradigm shift. Goodbye and good night. Welcome to the Wrestling Nations Podcast. I am your host, Braden, alongside my co-host, Dale. This is the first episode of our podcast, and today we are going to be talking about Wrestle Kingdom, the Japanese Puroresu Extravaganza. It happens once a year, January 4th and 5th, and my friend Farrah is going to be talking about her experience going to Wrestle Kingdom for the first time. But first, I'm going to throw it over to my illustrious South African co-host, Dale, and he's going to tell you why we call this the Wrestling Nations Podcast. Dale? So the reason why we call this the Wrestling Nations podcast is because we all come from different backgrounds and different countries. For example, Braden is from the US of A and I'm from South Africa. And so we're just two guys along with like our special guest Farrah from time to time that just like to talk about pro wrestling and just share our love and excitement for it, whether it's AEW, WWE, New Japan, Stardom, TJPW, DDT, what, whatever you name, we will probably talk about it here on our podcast. And so we just want to show that wrestling is an international sport that everyone from all nations and backgrounds can enjoy. Okay, and now let's introduce our special guest, our good friend, Farah. Farah, how are you? I am fantastic. Good to hear. So let's start off just from a base experience. How was your time at Russell Kingdom just in general? It was extraordinary. It was everything I wanted and more. It, it felt like a dream, honestly. What Was it what you were expecting or what did it exceed expectations? It definitely exceeded my expectations for sure. What what were your thoughts on the matches, some of the card? We'll run down the card in a second, but just the overall grade, what did you think of both shows and which night do you think was better? Well, I really liked both shows, but I have to say, I think night two like, was the most spectacular. So you got to see what, oh, well, you got to see Bushi. <laughs> so, and we all know Cody Ibushi is your favorite wrestler, probably ever so uh he is god so. he is god praise <laughs> Lord Ibushi. praise that Lord Ibushi. uh yeah he, he, you got to see Ibushi, so that was cool for you and i'm glad you got to see that but so uh dale do you have the card pulled up here uh i'm just getting it up now i'll get the full card up now for you but uh while i'm getting it up i'll just ask you some questions for so for um uh, you're, you're, you recently became a pro wrestling fan, right? Yep. So could you maybe tell us more about like what really got you into pro wrestling and, and how it's, and how your interest developed over time? So when I saw Hana Kimura on Terrace House, I finally got the chance to really understand what wrestling really is like in Japan because honestly like even though wrestling is quite popular here it's very niche 
So if you go to the train station or watch TV, you don't really see star anything from stardom. You usually just see New Japan. Right, right. But even then, like the average person who lives in Japan will not know anything about wrestling. Like I've lived in, I had, at that point, I had lived in Japan for over six years and I had never seen Hana Kimura or anything like Japanese pro wrestling until she came on Sarah's house. Yes. So uh, I was originally supposed to go to a stardom match uh, last March when she was still alive, but yeah. COVID happened. So it got canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Damn you, COVID. Really yes. Damn fun for everybody. Yeah, so my very first uh, live wrestling match wasn't until uh, the TCS retirement matches. So I went to both of them. And uh, after that, I decided to go to Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, one, mm -hmm. because, you know, it's an extremely extravagant uh, tournament, not just in Japan, but the world, basically, like WrestleMania is. Right, right. And, and uh, I'm also a writer, a freelance writer. So I am writing an article and writing a review about uh, Wrestle Kingdom for Oda Quest. Uh, so that's another reason why I decided to go to Wrestle Kingdom. Ah, I see. I see. And um, com and how do I say this? Sorry. Sorry. Let me just get my thoughts. So okay. just going back to when you first went to stardom at Perkin. How was the feeling of going to a pro wrestling event live for the first time in your life? It felt incredible. Like, of course, you know, seeing it online is great. Um, but seeing it in person is also a very, it's, it's like a religious experience in a way. Uh, it's yeah, like yeah. you're going to a ritual. And um, I really enjoyed, you know, for example, seeing other fans in person, making eye contact with the wrestlers um, in the front row, um, hearing the vibrations, feeling the vibrations. Like uh, It's very different when you actually go in person. If you think wrestling is great on the screen, like imagine being there, breathing the same air as the wrestlers. Yes, 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 exactly. And yeah, I've I've been to a few um, wrestling events live myself in Japan as well, and and especially like um, I've never been to a pro wrestling event in the US. I've only seen stuff in the states, but but yeah, I think I think you can also agree with me, Farah, yeah, that like the Japanese fans like they're very different to like the Western audience. Like they show like some sort of respect to the the wrestlers so like do a move whatever it's just they they clap and show their respect and say like you did well and that sort of thing like yeah because like, hmm. uh originally like you know because uh the funny thing is i've only been to wrestling matches during the covid pandemic yeah so um based on what i've been seeing from other uh fans and their impressions of you know what matches are like i think you know, Japanese promotions are very responsible and they're handling the situation really well. And I think part of it definitely has to do with the fact that, you know, most Japanese fans respect the rules. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I can't imagine, you know, applying the same rules or like having Wrestle Kingdom in the US, for example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That is very true, actually. Brayden, do you have any other questions for Farah? 
Uh, yeah, fair. Um, you know, you didn't get to really see the full experience necessarily of a Japanese crowd because of, I guess, the rules with COVID, the very stupid rules, I might add, of no talking during a sporting event. However, okay, I don't think it's stupid. I think it was good I, that they didn't allow us to cheer because a lot of spit comes out when you cheer. And we are in a pandemic. We're lucky we even had Wrestle Kingdom happen. I I disagree. You're all wearing masks. It yeah, that's my opinion. But masks only opinion. cover like sixty to eighty percent. It doesn't quite. It doesn't have one hundred percent protection. <laughs> well, back is a wrestling. I think these people want to hear talk about some wrestling. So <laughs> you you didn't necessarily get to have the whole experience. When you go back to a show next time, hopefully there's more crowd involvement. What what will you be looking forward to to see again the most? Ivishi. Man, that one shocked me. I said, no outcome. Uh, actually, <laughs> now actually, now that you're on that, uh, I would like to ask Farrah, like, um, what first got you into Ibushi? Brayden introduced Ibushi to me, actually. Oh, was, was, it, my, oh <laughs> was it Brayden? Oh, my word. It was Brayden. <laughs> this is my monster. I have created it. <laughs> Oh my word! It, it's my so fault. That, so that's how the Ibushi thing started with Brayden. Oh. Brayden, do you remember? I think you sent me a gift or something. I sent you a Will Osprey Kota. I sent her the gift for the Hurricane Ron spot where he did the flip out of the Hurricane Ron off the top rope to the where he landed standing yes. straight up. Yes, that's right. And I was like, oh, well, Osprey, cool. Yeah, cool story, bro. And then I was like, who is that beautiful man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that would be Kota Ibushi. And I Our Lord and Savior. Picture after picture after picture. And she was just like, oh. like she, she couldn't believe what she was saying. And at that moment, her heart grew three sizes that day. Yes. Like she, she, she was enthralled. And so I just kept sending her her more stuff and more stuff and more stuff. And before you know it, she's going to Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> yes. Yes. I have to thank you so much for that. <laughs> well, of course. Like, I, now I, I say- see Ibushi everywhere. Like, he was right in front of me, and I had no idea. Like, after Wrestle Kingdom, like, he was all over the Japanese newspapers at the Kombini. He was all, like, you can get Shupra, like, the magazine, anywhere. And his face was on TV a lot, so... I am so happy that I know my mans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, he's everywhere. He sees you, Farrah. <laughs> he is God, so he sees everything. Yes, he, he does. He delivers so really well. And I mean, and I mean, even if you see, like, the New Japan, like, Twitter page, like, almost all of, like, the new merchandising that they release at this time of recording is just, like, Ibushi stuff. It's like Ibushi towels, Ibushi uh, boxes, shorts, <laughs> like lunch boxes uh, that are designed from like the briefcase that he won and all this stuff. And then I, I even remember when they did the towel thing and I remember I sent it to you for it's like, do you want Ibushi to look at you when you come out of the bar? Well, now you can with the Ibushi towel. <laughs> Which is $75. Like, I'm pretty sure New Japan Twitter is reading Farrah's tweets. And they're like, we yeah. got to get her to buy this for us. I am boosting the Japanese economy. Oh, yeah. I would never buy the towel, though. It's 75 bucks. 
I don't know if somebody bought it for me. Content, uh, all the fans. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I also would love an Ibushi body pillow or Ibushi pillow. They need to like create that again. Ibushi Dakimakura. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, like, New Japan, if you're listening, you would make a lot of money <laughs> just for these the Ibushi towel. I mean, Ibushi pillow. I can't even speak now. <laughs> I have helped turn Farah into the single biggest mark I think I've ever met in my entire life. But hey, it's yes. okay. It's it's just like I, I show her one insider term, and then all of a sudden she's friggin' Ibushi's favorite girl, and she knows everything about his life. Ibushi she's is like, best boy. I want to this overlord. <laughs> oh, good lord! What have I done? Yeah. It's just like. I have consumed this woman's life with nothing but wrestling, which is what I try to do with everybody, but I've never been successful until I met her. And then look what I've created. It's mine. It's alive. It's alive. Okay, fair. Now that we're back on topic. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, the yeah, card so, uh, so, just a few more questions, fair. Sorry, just, just so for people who haven't like really met you or, or heard you like speaking on other podcasts before. So <clears throat> as I remember, like the first time we really met each other, it was following uh, after Hannah passed away. And then you caught quite a bit of traction on social media by um, translating quite a few articles and posts from like the Japanese uh, newspapers and stuff regarding the situation and keeping like international audiences um, up to date with what's going on. Um, could you could you maybe tell me more about like how you felt when you started gaining a following, especially from like the pro wrestling um, the pro wrestling community with all that you've been all that you've been doing with like providing translations and and things like that yeah sure so um of course i knew japanese but honestly i'm not this sounds as a surprise but like i'm actually not a huge fan of translating things normally like in order for me to translate something and really devote my time i have to actually be invested in the topic and so when hana passed away um of course, I was very upset, but when I, you know, learned about all this information about how, you know, for example, there are allegations against the producers of Terrace House, um, how Bushi Road allegedly has not been helping Hana's family when, you know, they were asking for it, um, things like that, I came to realize that, you know, this was really crucial information that has not been shared with the international community. And it's really disturbing how, you know, the international media has not really covered this conversation about Hana's death beyond like, oh, cyberbullying is bad. And of course, cyberbullying is bad, but there's all these underlying systemic issues that surprisingly the Japanese media covered more extensively. Um, so <laughs> emotionally, translating was quite hard. I would have to take breaks a lot because they would get very graphic with how Hana passed away and stuff. But because I was so driven to get this information out there, it was like no problem at all. It was no no problem at all. Um, I was kind of shocked because I wasn't expecting to 
get any more followers at that time. I think I only had a thousand followers and that was just because, you know, I wrote for the Japan times. Um, but I remember on May 24th, I released, you know, the only translation out there of her suicide notes from Instagram and Twitter. And then I would release, you know, in translations of articles really quickly. And the number of my followers skyrocketed to over 4,000. And uh, I was really happy. You know, I got a lot of thank you messages from wrestling fans, um, friends of wrestlers, like famous wrestlers who knew Hana uh, messaged me and they personally thanked me. And I was actually really shocked and impressed that, you know, even you know, like wrestlers were reading my posts and they needed my translations to understand what happened. Um, yeah, I, I ended up making up a lot of, making a lot of new friends and being a part of this amazing community that is, you know, the wrestling community online. So yeah, that, that's how I felt. <laughs> and of course that is how you and I melt, met, met. Yeah. Yeah. Brayden was one of my first followers and Dale too. <laughs> yeah. yeah and then so, I found out, oh, sorry what sorry uh because i introduced you to dale and because me and dale had been talking for months at that point and me and you had been talking so i introduced dale to you and then that's how we all got together that's yeah, how and this then, yeah and um i found out that dale actually lived in kyoto and at that time i lived in osaka i was like wait we need to like meet up <laughs> Yeah, and I remember I went to my first stardom show in Osaka that time, and then Farrah saw that I posted that I was at the, the show, and then she messaged me like, hey, uh, do you want to meet up after the stardom show when I'm done with work? So I said, yeah, sure, we can do that. And then you were still busy with work, and the stardom show was like only an hour and a half. So I had like maybe four to five hours just to myself in Osaka. And so I just went to like different places. I think I just went to like the game center, went to have lunch, and then eventually we met up at like Dortenboy. And then what did we have for dinner again? It was um, it was kushikatsu. Kushikatsu, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And I was wearing my jungle kiona hoodie to represent. Ah, yes. And then the staff was like awkwardly looking at us, waiting for us to leave. Because we it was like closing time, like, because we came very late and they didn't say anything. They were passive aggressively, like, standing there. Yeah. And I'm like, y'all can just, we speak Japanese. You can tell us that you're closing. But like, as soon as I realized, like, what they were doing, I'm like, okay, that's Japanese for get the hell out. <laughs> yeah. 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 I remember. Yeah. yeah that, was, that was a good time. Yeah. And then, they gave you that go to hell look. <laughs> more like more like bitch i'm clocking out in an hour can y'all like go also you guys are mm. like are foreigners and you probably don't speak japanese i think that was it. i think they just didn't realize we spoke japanese yeah yeah because yeah yeah and then also like following that like um getting like such a massive following like online with with pro wrestling fans and some wrestlers as well like some of the people that you were able to meet through that was Kyoko Kimura and also Kai Kobayashi as well. Could you yeah. tell us more about like your interactions with them and how it all came about? Yeah, so um, I've got, I got a lot of uh, media contacts actually from my translations. So 
one of the first uh, interviews I did about the allegations was um, through the Discourse blog. I think it's run by AJ Plus Media. And uh, the writer's name is Samantha Grasso. She was amazing to work with. And uh, I was really like shocked that the New York Times contacted me. I also interviewed with them too. And uh, Kai and Kyoko were in the same article as I was. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Senpai noticed me. Um, yeah. And uh, I also got to interview Kai uh, for one of the best podcasts ever, The Josh Pod. And I was actually really nervous. Um, I think I said in another podcast interview that I wasn't as nervous, but now looking back at it, like, I was actually really shocked. You know, there's a difference between, again, you know, seeing someone on TV and fangirling over them and actually talking to them like a normal person in an interview. <laughs> I remember um, you sent me, you sent me, sorry, you sent me a message when you met Kyoko and it was like, oh my God, do I know English? Do I know Japanese? What, do I even know how to speak? <laughs> right now. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. Um, so with Kai, like the times I've met him have all been planned. So he would announce that he had an art exhibition or something and I would go. Um, or like we would set up an appointment to meet up so I can interview him for an article. I'm, I also interviewed him with him, uh, for an article for the Japan times. It should come out hopefully by next month. Um, but with Kyoko, when I met her, it was actually not planned at all. It was very unexpected on my part. I went to a fan fundraising event um, for uh, the NPO and also the legal fees. She posted about it on Twitter, but she didn't mention that she was going to be there. <laughs> and all I wanted to do was go to Takakoro Cafe. It's like uh, in Suidobashi near the Dome. And I think somebody from Bullet Club runs the restaurant. Yes, bad luck, Fale. Bad luck, Fale. The rogue general. He runs the. Yeah, Does he, he run it? I cat. thought he was just a regular customer. No, he runs it. Oh, he runs uh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah, and his famous catchphrase: "Eat him and fuck him." No, 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 no. Yeah, Fale runs the cafe. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't see him there, but um, yeah, I know the steak bowls were so good. It was like literally the best steak bowl I've had in Japan. Like it was proper steak. Steaky, not steaky. <laughs> remind, remind me to uh, remind me to ask you to take me there when I ever go back to Tokyo again. Yes, I will take you there. Yes, and then we will probably meet all. We'll meet, we'll meet all the wrestlers there because I'm a wrestler magnet. Apparently, whenever I go out, <laughs> <laughs> especially British wrestlers. <laughs> um, oi, oi, British, oi, oi, yeah, bro. Well, We'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that later, but but continue but continue on. Oh yeah, so um yeah, so I go to the restaurant innocently ordering my steak bowl, which I had to actually I had to actually reserve it the before I would actually enter the cafe because of COVID. Uh, they were checking to see who would come in, and on the corner of my eye, I see a big puffy out uh, like afro. And I was like, oh, there's an afro. Oh my God, that is Kyoko Kimura. <laughs> I forgot my name. I forgot all the languages I knew. I forgot how to walk. I. <laughs> oh, she turned into me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my. I, I turned into Brayden. <laughs> 
I forgot how to breathe. Like I was so shocked when I saw her and I just got nervous. I was tearing up because I was so emotional. Like I was feeling so emotional. And um, yeah, like uh, I was sitting down waiting for my bento. She was talking to someone. I think a lot of Hana's friends were there. And like people who personally knew Hana. So I kind of waited until like they left and it was about like five to 10 minutes, but it felt like an hour. <laughs> it felt like eternity. Cause I was just so nervous. And, uh, you know, cause you know, her and I follow each other on Twitter and she and I have talked online before. So I, I knew like, okay, she knows that we are breathing the same air, but now I need to like muster up the courage to like talk to her. <laughs> um, but no, I got up to her and uh, she merely like said, thank you, Farah, for translating for me. You've helped me out so much. And at that moment, I felt so good. And it reminded me about why translation is really important and really helps unite people together uh, to give Hana justice. Um, and even though she was incredibly busy because she was mainly the one selling all the merch and counting the money and doing everything, you know, to prepare for her NPO and stuff, you know, she dedicated so much time to me just talking to me individually. So it was really, really nice. That's yeah, that's that's wow. Um, she seems like an incredible woman and she deserves all the love she gets. Uh, she is the so- best. Like she's, she's, uh, she gave me like, it felt like she was my mom. Like that's how it felt. <laughs> like Mama mom Kyoko. Energy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I want Kyoko to be my mom. It's, that'd be so dope. <laughs> like if I got someone bullying me, Hey, you used to be an MMA fighter, right? <laughs> Handle this. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> okay. I stop. Sorry. <laughs> uh, All right. Now. Can we, let's get into the Wrestle Kingdom. Dale, you have the card, right? Yes, I have the card. Okay, so we'll just run it down. We'll give our opinions, and then we'll let Farrah also just describe, like, what were her personal feelings about the match, since she was the one that was able to attend it live. So we're starting with night one, and we're starting off with the best of the Super Junior versus the Super J Cup winner, Hiromu Takahashi versus El Phantasmo. And Hiromu was the one that won that match. So, Farrah, what were your thoughts about that match on night one? I really thought it was amazing. Um, so, it was interesting being in the Dome because, of course, it was very quiet. But the shirts we were wearing were very loud. So you can immediately tell who everyone was rooting for. And uh, during night one, I actually wore my Hana Kimura shirt and it's actually red and black and white. And I want to say like 99% of the people in the audience at Wrestle Kingdom were wearing LAJ shirts. <laughs> but on my mask, I wrote Lord Ibushi on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure not a lot of people were happy about that. I mean, they didn't really care. Like, they're not crazy like some American fans, but they were like, ah, <laughs> Ibushi, <laughs> NIG Domota. No, Los Synchronaves de Japon Domota. Like, they were like, they're saying to me, like, oh, I thought you were LAJ, but you are actually Ibushi's fan. 
that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. no, I think I, you know, once I saw Hiromu in the ring, I became like a bigger fan of Lij for sure. So it makes it harder to figure out who I wanted to win because now I'm really into Lij too, especially because it reminds me so much of TCS especially from how it started when um, they went to Mexico and trained. Yeah, very true, very true. Um, well, uh, the match itself, was t- it was it was all right. It was a good opening match, uh, if you want, if I can get my input. Uh, I think ELP, the whole character of, okay, I'm going to do every former leader's Bullet Club's member, every former Bullet Club's members move is just kind of redundant at this point. I think everybody's done it and it's just like, oh my god, can you get an original character? But other than that, it was it was good. It was a good serviceable first match. It got the crowd open and got them, you know, alive. So it worked for what it was. It was good. It was good for the job it had. Before I give my uh, opinion, can we first just talk about how good the stage looked? Like, oh yes! Oh, it looked so good this year. Bear, what did you think of the stage? It was so beautiful, and not just because Ibushi was on it. <laughs> like they used pyro. What's that word? Pyro. Te- yeah, pyrotechnics. Yeah, pyrotechnics. They use a lot of pyrotechnics. It was very glamorous. It reminded me of when I would go clubbing in Tokyo, but better. <laughs> <laughs> Roppongi <laughs> Roppongi I never fucking go to Roppongi I go to Shibuya <laughs> Roppongi Vice Roppongi Vice Kings don't sleep So don't sleep on the Vice That used to be a tag team in New Japan They were called Roppongi Vice I wonder yeah. why well, It was Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta They were off <laughs> No, in person it was so spectacular I was amazed and I it came I got me thinking like I was actually really impressed by the staircase because it is quite long and I can only imagine like after you you know beat someone up or get beaten up you have to go up the stage oh back. yeah and you're carrying like the bolt <laughs> afterwards and it's like oh. <laughs> but he made it look so easy he's like I'm carrying two titles I'm going up these long stairs like it was nothing and I'm like that's my man Ibushi. That's how I know he's God because he's able to go up those flight of stairs after he like loses his neck again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that later. Um, so my thoughts on the opening match was, yeah, like Braden said, it was a very good opener. And I like the chemistry between Hiromu and Fantasma. The only thing I wasn't really a fan of was the finish. I thought it just came out of nowhere. But I kind of did set up that we'll probably get another match between Hiromu and Phantasma later down the line. Since, um, okay, I was nearly going to go into a bit of a spoiler. But yeah, it definitely sets up another match between the two. But overall, yeah. We can spoil into we go. We can spoil. No, but Um, we're going to go into the other match later. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise it was a good opening match. And the second match we have is the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship between Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi, also known as the Dangerous Tickers versus the World Tag League 2020 winners, 
Tongaloa and Tamatonga, also known as the Gorillas of Destiny, with the Gorillas of Destiny finally winning uh, the, the tag team titles at Wrestle Kingdom. Okay, here's my thoughts exactly. Uh, it's worth noting that at the end of this match, and I'll explain what this is if you don't know, the Gorillas of Destiny, after they won the titles, they beat Cody Rhodes' lap around the Tokyo Dome. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, they jumped on the dugout. Okay, so if you don't know, Tokyo Dome's a baseball stadium. So the young the young boys were trying to get them to get that. And they're just sitting there with, on, with the titles, hold on. Yeah, we fucking did it. And they and they're like on top of the dugout, and the young boys are trying to get them down. It's the funniest thing. And Giotto is going crazy with the kendo stick on the outside. It was just a circus. Uh, it was hilarious. You need to go back and watch it if you haven't. But uh, match itself was really good. It's you know New Japan always has these great tag matches at Wrestle Kingdom, and I'm I'm very happy for the Grills of Destiny. And um, had for Tama and Tonga and Tama and Tonga, Thomas Tonga and Tonga Loa. I think they deserve it. You know, those two have been through ups and downs. They've been with the company forever now, especially Tama Tonga. And so it's good to see them finally get their due. But uh, not all things went well for Tama Tonga. We'll talk about that on the next episode when we review Hard <laughs> Stay tuned. Well, for me, I thought that this was probably the sleeper hit of the night because um, <clears throat> this is, as far as I recall, it's not often that you get Suzuki-gun and Bullet Club facing each other in matches. So this was a nice change of pace for a Wrestle Kingdom match. And for me, like, they really worked well together, like two heel teams working against each other. It felt so refreshing and and really good, like the chemistry between the two of them. Like, for me, I felt that the audience was rooting for Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi. That's, that was my feeling, but I could be completely wrong. But again, I thought that the right team won with uh, G.O.D. winning, I think this is their seventh IWGP every tag team championship. So they definitely deserve it because they are like, what they call themselves the franchise tag team in, in the in the company. So definitely well deserved that they that they won the match. Farrah, do you have any thoughts about the match? Yeah, I really love GOD. I'm so happy they won. Um I don't know if they showed it in the live stream, but they were really hilarious when they left the ring. Um, they started high-fiving the audience and they were walking on the rails. Yes, yes, that yeah. was on the live feed. And I love seeing those little things happen at Wrestle Kingdom. It's so amazing seeing it as an audience member, even though I was in the eastern section. That happened in the uh, southern section, I believe. But yeah, like they, they were ecstatic. It was really nice. So even if you were rooting for the other team, you were happy. <laughs> Next match that we have is the IWGP US um, right to challenge contract match between Kenta and Satoshi Kojima. So before we get into that, but wait, hey, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Before we get into that, there was something that happened before the match. Dale, do you want to explain it or do you want me to explain? Uh, you can go ahead and explain what happened. They played a video on the screen with a bunch of horses for some reason. And then all of a sudden, 
making his return, John Matsui. Well, making his return a thousand miles away in California, but still making his return to New Japan. And he basically said, I'm coming for whoever, you know, whoever wins this match, I'm coming for you. That was it. Yeah, that was that was quite the the, the shocker that that happened. And so um, also Juice Robinson was originally supposed to be in this match, but he got injured during the Road to Tour. So Kojima stepped in and took his place. And then Kenta won the won the match and is still the rightful challenger to John Moxley's IWGP US Heavyweight Championship. So, Brayden, what were your thoughts on the match? Really good match. Satoshi Kojima can still go when he's like 56. It's insane. The dude's jacked. Kenta, of course, is fantastic. I mean, this match way delivered on expectations. It, you know, it really good, really solid, good for Kenta. I hope they get that Mox match done with soon. I imagine it'll be soon. Mox probably drop the belt then. Uh, and then do whatever he's doing with AEW now. So, yeah. Yeah, I also agree. This match was also really good. I think I think for me personally, I was happy that they replaced um, Juice with Kojima because I think, like, with Kent and Kojima being, like, two hard-hitting wrestlers, like, I felt that their styles um, meshed really well together. And even though, like, many people knew knew that Kento was going to win, it still made for a very um, thrilling match between the two. Because, yeah, like you said, it shows that Kojima can still has it, like, even though he's, like, in his 50s, I think. But, yeah, really, really good match. Um, yeah, it was really good. Um, normally, like... Well, naturally, I only pay attention to the younger, finer <laughs> wrestlers. <laughs> but as Brayden said, um, you know, seeing old two, not two old dudes, but like two older experienced wrestlers duking it out. It was pretty cool to see in person. Um, they can really hit hard. And um, whenever somebody slammed uh, someone on the platform of the ring, uh, Tokyo Dome was so quiet that it would echo throughout the dome <laughs> and you could feel the vibrations at times so it was like watching it in 4D <laughs> Okay, so the next match that we have is Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Great Okan uh, Brayden, what were your thoughts on this match? It's basically just, okay, Tanahashi's here it's Tokyo Dome. We have to have him in in some way. I mean, that's basically what this match was, just to make the fans happy. I mean, this might as well have been, even though I know New Japan doesn't run house shows, it might as well have been a house show match. It was just, okay, Tanahashi beats him, high fly flow, one, two, three, everybody's happy. I mean, there's not much to it. Okay. Well, I was actually quite surprised that Tanahashi won this match because I, I thought that they were going to make Great Okan win. So when I saw Tanahashi win it, I was like pleasantly surprised that they gave him the win at, at Wrestle Kingdom. But yeah, like Braden said, like it was it was a pretty decent match. It was just to put Tanahashi on the card. Like there wasn't really like much gold to it. It just like kind of happened just during I think it was like during the row two shows or whatever. It's like, okay, let's put Tanahashi and Okan together. But the one thing for me though is that 
Okan definitely showed that he belongs in this company. I was I was very impressed with Okan in this match. That was that was my the one thing that I noted that Okan looked really good in this match. So he's he's definitely got a, a good future ahead of him in, in New Japan. So yeah. Uh Farah, what are your thoughts on the match? So Honestly, like when I watched the match, I didn't know the storyline between them. But from what I can tell, it was pretty entertaining. <laughs> I liked how they carried each other up and like made the same expressions on their faces um, when he was trying to throw over um, Tanahashi. Um, I also love Tanahashi's hair. It's very beautiful, like a lion's mane. <laughs> and it still kept in place like when he won. <laughs> um but after like learning about the storyline um I did feel like the win was kind of a given like I wasn't I I was happy Tanahashi won because I'm a Tanahashi fan too but it didn't make a huge impact if that makes sense next we're gonna go to the semi-main event which is another special single match between Kazuchika Okada and Will Ospreay. For me, personally, this was match of the night. But I'll speak more about my thoughts later. So, Brayden, what are your thoughts on Okada versus Osprey? Well, this these two words will sum it up very well. Uh, holy shit. What a match. Uh, it was uh, inc- incredible. Uh it's probably the best match they've ever had, probably. Uh, Will Ospreay has definitely evolved as a wrestler. I mean, the only thing I can say negative about the match is the money clip is a terrible move. It would just suck the air out of the Tokyo Dome. Like, he'd hit two, so, oh, he's going for the Rainmaker, and he locks in a Cobra Clutch. It's like, <laughs> it's the biggest letdown disappointment ever. It's like finding out you're adopted. Like, it, 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 just, it, just, sucks. <laughs> it just sucks the air out of you. I'm kidding. I'm I'm adopted. It's not it's not funny. It's cool. Uh but no. Uh yeah, this match is really good. Uh <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Uh yeah, this match is really good. Uh I was very, you know, by far match of the night. I agree with Dale. It wasn't match of the weekend, but it was match of the night. Uh fair? I mean Dale, sorry. Oop. Okay, I'll I'll go first. Yeah, this was definitely the match of the night for me. Like, holy cow, these guys really put on such a great match. Like the storytelling, the spots that they did, and just like how unpredictable it it was. Like they, their styles work perfectly with like Osprey's more high-flying moveset and Okada's like more balance between high flying, but more grounded sort of moveset. But just the way that they gelled and, and like how they sold everything, it was just great. And yeah, I, I like Braden. Like Braden, I'm also not the biggest fan of Okada's money clip. It, it, it's kind of an anticlimactic move. But there was the one spot where it almost looked like Okada was going to win with the, the money clip. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then Osprey got the rope. But when Okada finally hit the Rainmaker to win the match after what felt like an eternity last year, I was like, oh my word. That was 
that was just fantastic. So, yeah, again, like I said, match of the night for me, definitely. Just very quickly. Oh, just sorry. Just very quickly. That joke, by the way, it's just a joke. I'm adopted, actually. It's, it's a very good thing. I was just kidding. So please don't take that out of context. Okay. Now. Okay. Farrah, what are your thoughts on Okada versus Osprey? It was honestly in my top three favorite matches of Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Osprey, I like how, um, like, uh, gracious he looks when he moves around it's actually really easy i think the easiest to take pictures of osprey when he's fighting because he moves kind of slowly but with full force (laughs) and um he has all these poses and when i later found out that he used to be a dancer it made so much sense like you can see that influence in the ring um his hidden blade move was the best and photogenic like he's part of the chaos and he ended like cup noodles okada's like entire career in one shot (laughs) um but yeah like stabbing okada in the back with the commonwealth kingpon storyline when having him end it like it was really good and uh it's interesting because um you know i met osprey once before this and i've seen his interviews and stuff like that and he's a teddy bear. Like, he just seems very nice. <laughs> and, you know, like, he's a very compassionate, nice person. But in the ring, he was so vicious. <laughs> so tough love is how I would describe Osprey. But it was a really amazing match. And it was very, very aesthetically pleasing, too. <laughs> yeah. And now we get to the main event of night one which was the IWGP Heavyweight and IWGP Intercontinental Double Championship match between Tetsuya Naito and Kota Ibushi. The most important match ever. Yeah, the most important match ever, given the fact that Ibushi won the G1 last year. Damn straight. Yeah, so even though technically he did have the right to challenge, he lost that privilege to Jay White. But then Naito like personally chose to challenge him on night one. So that's how we ended up here. Um, so as always, Braden, what are your thoughts on Naito versus Ibushi? Okay, so fun fact about this match. I actually didn't get to see it live because uh, about, about that time the main event started, I had to get up and get ready for school. And by the time I got back, taking a shower, everything else, had, like the finish had just gone down. So I missed the entire match. So I had to go back and watch it. And when I went back and watched it, it was incredible. Um, it probably might have been better if I wouldn't have known the result, but it was just insane. The Hurricane Rana spot off the apron in particular, where uh, Ibushi catches Naito into a Hurricane Rana off the apron to a floor. It's just like, oh my God. I would not take that bump at all. But uh, credit to those guys. There was also a very nasty German suplex spot to the ramp of the arena. So that was also disgusting. This was surprisingly very toned down compared to a lot of their other encounters. Like the one at Madison Square Garden also comes to mind where they just broke each other's necks repeatedly. Or the one they had in the New Japan Cup, I want to say last year or the year before last, was really good where they just dropped each other on the neck. This was very toned down. 
but it was still a very good match and a very emotional moment at the end with Ibushi winning and then Naito handing him the belts. You know, those two in real life were very good, longtime friends. They've been best friends for years, so it so it was very nice to see that moment. And Ibushi, you know, coming from you know the swamps of DDT, like wrestling in front of fifty people, to wrestling in front of thirty thousand and main eventing the Tokyo Dome is just—it's incredible to see. Yeah, I share the same sentiments with Braden as well. Like Ibushi's come a long way in New Japan, and for him to get that coming moment of him becoming the champion, it—it it was just fantastic. It's—it's it's, you love to see it, as they as they say. We love to see it indeed. But yeah, definitely I felt the match compared to like their previous encounters, it was a lot toned down in terms of like dropping each other on the neck. But still, it was a fantastic match. Like, especially with like the Hercules and Rana spot out of, outside of the ring and and them just kicking out of each other's finishes. Like they each kicked out of their finishes like twice or thrice until Ibushi like dropped his knee pad and hit Naito with the with the Kamagoya to to win the match. Like I was like, oh my gosh, they're throwing everything at each other, and they're just like, nope, I'm not, I'm not down yet. You're gonna do more, but damn, it was it was a fantastic match. Like I always love seeing Naito and Ibushi wrestle each other. It's it's just a sight to behold, and I was glad that they finally got a chance to wrestle each other at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Farrell, what were your thoughts on the main event? I have many thoughts, but um, to be honest, when I came in, I was a little scared, not going to lie, <laughs> because I was feeling quite oppressed when I kept seeing LIG people everywhere, LIJ people everywhere I went. <laughs> so um, I was emotionally preparing myself for Ibushi to lose, actually, because I didn't want to get my hopes up. But um, no, there were so many plot twists in the match. Um, especially with the German suplex and the Hurricane Rana. Um, it was quite interesting uh, seeing him win. So uh, I really liked how, you know, Naito was a good sport and, you know, he handed Ibushi the belt. It was a very emotional moment. And I don't know if this was shown on TV, but I was in the arena section and I was in Arena B on day one. Literally, when they announced that Ibushi won, half of the people in the arena stood up and left. Really? Oh, yes. my, no, we know. I never saw that on the feed. Okay, in my section, which is the eastern section of uh, Tokyo Dome, like half the people around me like got up and left. They were so angry. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, to be fair, though, Naito is like a Tokyo boy, so... Of course, the home the home crowd is gonna support their home guy. So to see him lose, they were like, "Yeah, yeah." I mean, they were they were really respectful though, like because they knew they noticed I was taking pictures and other people were taking pictures, so they bent over and quietly walked away from the truth. But <laughs> <laughs> if that would have been in Osaka. At Sorry. that moment, I was so proud to be an Ibushi, Ibushi fan. Like, that is my baby up there beating Naito like a boss. And um, it also felt good to see Naito, like, lose graciously. Like, he didn't just, you know, he wasn't weak the entire time. Like, it was a hard fight for Ibushi, too. And, yeah, um, very true. 
When uh, Braden, you mentioned that, uh, you know, it wasn't as intense as like Madison Square Garden and stuff. I think it might have been also because Ibushi was competing the next day. So, (laughs) so maybe it's because like, you know, he can't really, you know, fight someone off intensely for the second night if you know if he's injured so. yeah because the next night he has to wrestle for 48 goddamn minutes 48 Put the neck in next <laughs> good lord 48 we'll get there when we get there but 48 minutes 48 minutes of heaven good lord all right we'll get there when we get there but overall night one was a success i agree but you said half the section got up and left if that would have been in osaka they would have been jumping the guardrails to Huggy Bushi because he beat Naito. Osaka does not like Naito. Oh no, 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 no. I, I can I can I can speak about that. Um, I think the Osaka crowd has started to warm up to Naito. Like there's a lot of fans now. When I've gone to New Japan shows, a lot of fans these days support Naito. It used to be like that in the old days, and you still get like one or two people who are like boo Naito. But for the most part, a lot of people have become Naito fans in, in Osaka. So he's definitely won the Osaka crowd over. And the Osaka crowd can be a bit hardcore at times. But anyway, um, so now we're going to move on to night two. And so I think it's only fitting we also talk about the stardom dark match that also happened but that didn't happen that was not available to um, people watching on New Japan World or Stardom World or wherever but Farrow was there to watch the the Stardom exhibition matches sorry I should rather say so Farrow let's let's start with the first one that happened it was um, a six person tag match between Azumi, Saya Kamitani, and Utami Hayashishita versus Natsupoi, Himeka, and Maika. So what are your thoughts on that first match? I was so proud of everyone there, um, especially Queen's Quest. Um, when everyone walked in the ring, it was very glamorous. <laughs> um and I was just so proud of seeing my stardom girls. Um, in the actual dome, I want to say maybe only 30 to 40% of the attendees were actually there to watch stardom. And I could tell, like, a couple of people in my section were fans of stardom. Like, I saw people, you know, waving at Himeka. But majority of the people, they had never seen a stardom match before. And I think, you know, those girls came out strong and they really changed people's perspectives on women's wrestling in Japan. Um, the only thing I had with the match was that I felt like it was way too rushed, both matches. And I think it was just because, uh, you know, they're under a lot of pressure for time. And we had a solid maybe 30 minutes before Wrestle Kingdom actually started and they had to sanitize everything. <laughs> so... Yeah, overall, it was a really good match. And um, because I had attended, you know, two starter matches before, it was almost kind of predictable. I was looking back at the pictures I had taken from the dark matches, and a lot of the moves they used were, like, almost exactly the same as what I saw at Yokohama Budokan. So it was almost like a carbon copy of Yokohama Budokan, but sped up. And what are your thoughts on the second match between... 
Tam Nakano and Mayu Iwatani versus Shuri and Julia? Oh man, it was incredible. Um, I wish they got to talk smack to each other, but they actually didn't say anything in the ring. So it felt kind of weird. But um, no, I, I, my favorite entrance was definitely when Julia and Shuri walked in together. Um, Julia revealed her new haircut, bangs, blunt haircut. It was amazing. And uh, it's kind of funny because normally, you know, these wrestlers are very kayfabe. So when I would see Julia in the stardom matches, she never smiled. Like she would always look like she was going to eat your face out. But <laughs> this time, you know, she couldn't help but smile. And Shudi was grinning really hard. And uh, I've also felt for Shudi because I know her mom passed away very recently so i know her mom would have been incredibly proud of her um and i just want to know how incredible it is that two hafu women were leading these matches and one fun like it, it was really incredible to see because you don't really see that representation a lot um in the beginning of the match or before the match started uh, mayu iwatani actually threw a bracelet out so she Threw a bracelet really hard. She should be a baseball player too. <laughs> She'd make a great baseball player. Uh, she threw a bracelet really far away in the southern section of uh, Tokyo Dome. So somebody caught it. And this is something she did in the stardom matches too, but it was nice to see it at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, but yeah, like I think overall they were very good matches, very photogenic. It reminded me maybe a little too much of Yokohama Budokan because I went to them that too. Um, but there are some differences with the costumes and the hair. It was very, it was a glamorous version of what happened at the Budokan. And uh, I really loved uh, Tamu and Julia's uh, rivalry. It's it's hilarious. Yeah, they've, yeah, I remember, I remember their whole rivalry last year where they were just like, picking on one another the whole time and, and things like that. But yeah, um, I remember when I was reading some of like the Japanese uh, fans' reactions to the stardom matches, especially from those that never watched stardom before, a lot of the a lot of the feedback from the fans was a lot more positive this year compared to uh, last year when Stardom first did the dark match um, at the Tokyo Dome. So it seems like um, a lot of people are now starting to like take Joshi wrestling a lot more seriously now. And especially with now Stardom like taking a more serious approach to, to their image and stuff like that, it seems like a lot of uh, fans are now gravitating is like oh this uh, this is this is something new and exciting as well it's like <laughs> i even remember when i first took pictures uh, when i went to stardom and then my my mother saw the pictures online she's like oh is that women's wrestling i didn't know that they had that there and i was like yeah they they, they have it here it does actually it does it does a really good show it's like oh that's great that's really great to see that they do that sort of stuff in japan so yeah I think yeah, just like the image of like women's wrestling and stuff like that, it's it's definitely an empowering image to to see. And like you mentioned, Farah as well, like especially with like Shuri and Julia like being half and like 
the types of issues that has in Japanese society. Like it's a very powerful image to to see that sort of stuff. So yeah, just just great um, to see that. Um, yeah, starting to pick up now. Yeah, yeah. Great. If you don't, say? If you don't, if you don't mind, uh, this is yeah, this is unprecedented. Um, also with starting running the Budokan this year, the actual Nippon Budokan, like the full thing, <laughs> we could be seeing another resurgence in Joshi wrestling that we saw in the nineties. Because in the nineties, in particular, Joshi wrestling used to be as popular as men's wrestling, and then the whole MMA craze kind of took over, and Joshi sort of never really recovered from that. And now we're sort of seeing the resurgence of Joshi wrestling, and it's amazing to see. I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction. Within the next three to four years, Stardom will be running their own show in the Tokyo Dome, I do believe, with their own with their own card, like their own full card. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that too in, in the next few years coming. Now that they've got like a huge backing and stuff like that, and they're running in big arenas now, like Osaka Edion and Yokohama Budokan as well. It's definitely the sky's the limit for, for stardom right now. But yeah, you, I, sorry, go on. No, 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 go on, sorry. That's oh, okay. Um I think that's only possible if TV Asahi and Stardom make proper arrangements for the TV rights. Because <laughs> literally the only reason why they can't really be at Wrestle Kingdom in the first place is because of paperwork and bureaucracy. It's literally because they don't have television rights um, because of Stardom's contracts. So I would like that to be the case. But knowing how Japanese bureaucracy works, I wouldn't be surprised if they still don't air it on TV. But um, no, another thing... So what I'm saying is just to clarify. I'm saying they run the, not separate from Wrestle Kingdom. They run their own show with their own card with their own production. Nothing to do with New Japan. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, that would be nice. Um, I would also like them see them compete with jo- Tokyo Joshi. And throughout the entire like time I was at Wrestle Kingdom, I just wanted to see an intergender match. And I know people have mixed feelings about it because they consider it to be different types almost, but I saw some parallels and I would have loved to see like Julia and Mayu deck it out with like one of the wrestlers there <laughs> at New Japan, just for fun. With Tanahashi. <laughs> <laughs> Julia carrying Tanahashi and throwing him over with her oh back. Gosh. Her invisible back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Julia doing the... The, the Gloria driver to Tanahashi. <laughs> yeah, that would be a sight to behold. So, yeah, now that we're going to go into the official card for night two. So the first match, surprisingly, is a KOPW 2021 four-way match between Bushi, Toriano, Chase Owens, and Bad Luck Fale. So how this match came to be was that on night one of Wrestle Kingdom, they had the New Japan Rumble for the first time in a few years, actually. And the last four wrestlers in the New Japan Rumble would take part in a four-way match to determine the, the KOPW 2021 champion. 
and Toru Yano, uh, funnily enough, came came out on top on it. So, Braden, what were your thoughts on the KOPW match? Oh, good lord! Uh, it, it was it's very fun, you know. See Tiger Mask and Eugene Nagata and those guys, you know, the old heads come back. It was pretty fun. Oh, no, I'm, ending, I'm, I'm talking about the four way, sorry, not the rumble. Wow, you just wow. <laughs> oh, well, the four way was something. It was a Toriano match. It was okay, I won. It was, you know, surprise, low, low, roll up, one, two, three. That was it. And, you know, Yano, rightfully, is the king of pro wrestling. I don't know who else could be a king of pro wrestling besides Yano. It just makes the most sense. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, though, I'm not really the biggest fan of the KOPW concept. Like, uh, like I mean, it's nice that Yano's the, the champ and all that, but, like, the matches feel so throwaway. Like, I don't know. It, it it just feels off in a New Japan environment to have this sort of, of thing. Like it, it's it's still gonna take me a while to really like get into the, the KOPW concept, but it I wasn't really fully invested in it. Uh Fair, what were your thoughts on it? Um I personally really liked it, but I do understand what you're saying when you said like um they kind of stood out and didn't feel like they were a part of the tournament um one of my good friends from the u.s uh he's a huge fan of the rogue general bad luck folly and uh i really think uh it was a very hilarious match especially when folly was like pulling <laughs> him back and like waiting for the attack okay and then the second match on the card is the iwgp junior heavyweight tag team championship match between Yoshinobu Kanemaru and El Desperado versus the team of Master Wato and Ryusuke Taguchi with uh, Kanemaru and Desperado winning their match. So, Brayden, what were your thoughts on the junior tag match? Uh, good match. It was a junior tag match. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, that's really all I have to say. It's, it, it was a good serviceable match. It did what it was supposed to do. Taguchi is fun as always with his butt-based offense. You know, it's fun match. Good, you know, good start to the show. Yeah, that's it. The juniors always deliver with those tag matches at Russell Kingdom. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it's always been a staple for the juniors to kind of start off Wrestle Kingdom. So this is also a good, feasible match. Nothing spectacular or whatever, but still, it did its job and it was very entertaining. Uh, Farrell, what are your thoughts on the match? But stuff. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was very entertaining. I think it was a good transition from the last match. Um, yeah, they seem to have very good chemistry in the ring for sure. Um, it wasn't, you know, extremely extravagant like the others were, but that's okay. Um, it was nice to see it in the middle of the tournament. Yeah, you make a fair point, actually. It is a good transition, especially with Taguchi and his butt stuff thing. It's a good transition from the KOPW thing to like slowly getting into like the more hard hitting matches. And speaking of hard hitting matches, the next match is the never open weight championship match, 
between Shingo Takagi and Jeff Cobb. Uh, Braden, what are your thoughts on this match? Two big meaty men slapping me. I mean, that's what this match was. It was just two big meaty men beating the piss out of each other, and it was fantastic. Jeff Cobb, it looked like Takagi didn't even want to be picked up by Cobb. Cobb literally just grabbed him and just threw him around the ring. And Takagi is like over 300 pounds. You know, Cobb is an insane athlete. So is Takagi. I mean, this was just insane. I mean, you you could really tell that these two are just ungodly strong and you know, Cobb with his Olympic background and things of that nature, it was just it was a very awesome match to see. It was really it probably one of my favorite matches of the entire weekend. It was just incredible. Yeah, I I definitely agree. It was just a hell of a hoss fight between these two guys. Like just throwing strikes and grapples and everything. They're like Damn, like that's the one thing I now appreciate about the Never Openweight uh, Championship is that it's now got, it's now built up its reputation of being like the hard-hitting hoss fight match that you get on the card. And especially with a guy like Shingo as the champion, it, he's just delivered on every aspect with the matches. So with Cobb and Takagi, like, yeah, there was even a time where I thought Cobb was actually going to win the match where I think he did um, two of the aisles on, on Shingo, but he took too long to get the pin. And I was and I was like, oh my gosh, if, if Cobb got there sooner, he probably would have won the match. But then Shingo comes back and does last of the Dragon 1, 2, 3. And I, was, I think I was like out of breath afterwards. But yeah. Great match. Definitely also one of my top matches of the weekend. No, not the weekend, sorry, of the two nights. Uh, what were your thoughts on the on the match? Oh, yeah. Um, it reminded me of uh, Tanahashi's match in a way. Um, they, like, him and Takagi had, like, the same expressions and stuff as they were getting lifted. Um, I think rather than... The way I interpreted it was it wasn't really a match to prove who could win. It was, as Braden said, like to show what their strengths were and, you know, seeing, you know, this crazy guy with a dragon mask getting lifted up like seamlessly by Cobb. (laughs) It was a sight to see. Um, And it's just incredible what the human body could do. I think that's what my response was for the match. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, especially with these two guys, like like Braden mentioned, Cobb is super athletic for his size. So it's just insane the type of stuff like these guys can do. Next match yeah. is Sonata versus Evil. Braden, what uh, in this match? Dick Togo. Oh, man, we got to get to that table spot in a second. But, uh, I mean... It was an evil versus Sonata match. I can, oh crap! I forgot. I dipped halfway through this match. I had to go to sleep. But yeah, uh, there was a table spot during this match. That's about all I know. I, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you gonna, you can, yeah, I'm gonna admit to my sins here. I still kind of have a sort of, kind of, sort of haven't watched this match. So Dale, you might be better at giving your expertise, but I know some of the parts of the match. Okay, I see, I see. Yeah, I, I, I did watch this whole match. But yeah, um, 
I thought it was a pretty decent match to be to be honest. Like, like I don't think many people like came into this match thinking like, oh, this is gonna be like a barn burner sort of thing. But it's just pretty nice that Sonata got the win over Evil in in this one. I thought it was it was a pretty cool way to to end the match and to also just build Sonata as like a top guy, as like one of the next top guys in the company. So he definitely needed that win against Evil. And I mean, like Evil has already slowly started becoming like a top guy. I mean, they gave him the double championship last year against Naito. But um, yeah, like two former teammates fighting each other. It's like, what other story can you really write? But yeah, it was a, it was a really good match. Fair, your thoughts? It was pretty cool to see. Um, before seeing this match, I was rooting for Evil because Deke Togoda. Holy Kai and Tai Batman. And um, yeah, yeah, but I was still happy that uh, Sonata won in the end. It was a good fight. Oh man, Brayden, do you want to talk about the the table spot that happened in that match? I don't know yes. what the heck happened there, but I just go just go before I go on the So I can't remember what part of this match it happened, but I want to say right before the table spot, you hear Dick Togo. He goes, "Fuck, shit, fuck," and he, and he just flies like a bird to a table. It's, it's, I think, I guess he thought he could fly or something. Like, he, and then he elbow drops the table. It's the weirdest table spot I've probably ever seen, besides yeah. that one big show spot where he put his foot to the table and lost. Yeah, that was, that was so weird. Like, like, I don't know, like maybe he forgot or he, he misjudged the distance of the table, but it's just like, I don't know what happened. I think like either evil knocked into him or something like that. And then he kind of maybe forgot that he needed to fall through the table, but he was just like, he just does like a hop, skip and a jump. He just like, whoop, and then just does an elbow jump through the table. I just burst out. I was like, that was the weirdest table. And then as he lands, he just, of course, because it's a Japanese table and it's like a shoot table for some reason. He just eats shit completely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's just out for the the match. Yeah. (laughs) My gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That that, that was definitely one of the highlights of the match to see Dick Togo going to the table. That was it. I'm a bird. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Now we're moving on to the semi main event which is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match between Taiji Ishimori and Hiromu Takahashi. So Hiromu won the match against El Phantasmo in night one, which is why he's the challenger to Ishimori on night two. So, Brayden, as always, what were your thoughts on the Junior Heavyweight Championship match? Before this match, before this happened, I was not very excited for it. However... Um, you know, because I've seen these two wrestle maybe a thousand times at this point. It's kind of, it's kind of being overdone. It's like John Cena versus Randy Orton at this point. But like, it was a good match. Uh, I, I'm tired. I'm done caring about Taiji Shimori and Hiromu. I'm sorry. Look, they're two very good wrestlers, but it's just, it's so overdone at this point. It's not even funny. Like, it's just, it's like, okay, can we get something new now? 
But um, yeah, I do, I do just I do agree with what you're saying. Like I was also not really keen on the match because like they just had a um, a match at like um, summer struggle, like at at Jingu Stadium. So it was like oh, they just had that. They have, they have one for best of super juniors too. After that, like a few months ago, like last oh, yeah, month. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, they also wrestled in the super junior tournament as well, and then they met up at. Um, Wrestle Kingdom now. But yeah, I do get what you're saying. But definitely though, the one thing that I think we can all agree on is that these two have great chemistry with one another. Like like whenever they're in the ring, they always put on great matches with each other. And this Wrestle Kingdom match was no different. Like definitely happy that Hiromu won the title back from Ishimori. Um, I do think though that it, the Ishimori's title reign uh, should have lasted a bit longer, but otherwise, this was a really great match between these two. And yeah, I think the better person won in that match. Farrah, what are your thoughts on it? I thought it was really well done. I think especially after that match, I became a huge Hiromu fan. <laughs> I'm so tempted. I'm sorry, Ibushi, but I might get LIG merch soon. <laughs> Um, no, he was really hilarious. It's so funny how wrestling works that way. Like, you don't have to talk, but you can make things really, like, funny, like a comedy routine. <laughs> My favorite part was when um, Hiromu was trying to do a drop kick. He ran all the way back to the entrance, and he was running, running, and running, and running, and you think he's about to do something extraordinary, and he just totally misses. <laughs> like, Oh, yes, yes, I remember. And then he just, like... That he just dodges him as like, oh, wonder. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and, like, and then Hiromu just like dies. <laughs> it was hilarious. Yes. And I know um, it's really funny because obviously because of COVID, like we're not allowed to cheer or anything. We can only clap. So we couldn't help but say, ooh. Like you hear a lot of oohs in the audience when that happened. <laughs> It's like, oh, oh. Yeah. Wait, oh, oh, oh. Silly Hiromu. <laughs> <laughs> now we get to the main event. Kota Ibushi versus Jay White. And all I can say is, holy shit. They wrestled for 48 minutes. And apparently, from what I've heard, this is the longest Wrestle Kingdom match ever. So for them to do to pull a feat like that, oh my gosh, nothing but respect for these two guys. Um, Brayden, thoughts on the match? Okay, I'm gonna give you a little play by play here. The match it started out very slow, you know, your typical Jay White match. They do locked up, Jay rolls out of the ring, uh, you know, things of that nature. The match really heats up. Uh, Ibushi hits the bastard driver, which is uh. Basically, it's like a cradle, tombstone pile driver. There's a near fall there. We eventually see the return of murder Ibushi. Ibushi gets up, Jay White hits him, and he's just expressionless. And he just clobbers Jay White with a forearm, and Jay White collapses. This match uh, was insane. Uh, th- there was a German suplex spot, like the all like the 
Ropong German Suplex pot, there was a slip uh, Blade Runner that had been kicked out of. Fun fact: Ibushi is the first ever person to kick out of the Blade Runner. There was a Kamigoye. Jay White kicks out. Finally, it, it takes not one but two back-to-back Kamigoyes, one to the back of the head and one to the front of the head for Ibushi to finally beat Jay White. This this match was just it made me a Jay White fan. It was uh I you know, I've always I, I used to not really not like Jay White as a wrestler. I didn't think he fit the new Japan mold. Um, but he really showed me here that he is a great worker. I've never doubted that Jay White's a character, but I, it's always just not been New Japan to me. But he really showed here that he is good. And uh you know, and he and he deserved it. I actually gave this match six stars, which I've rarely ever done. So, yeah, this match was. I'm very impressed by Jay White, and I'm now a Jay White fan. So, yeah, unlike Braden, though, I've been a Jay White fan for a really long time, like both in ring and also his character work. But this, for me, I think this was really the peak of his wrestling career, like. For him to main event Wrestle Kingdom and like at, at the young age that he's at and and accomplish so much, like damn. And even like with the callbacks that they had with their rivalry to the spots, the storytelling, everything. Like it was such an emotional match to watch, to be honest, because like these two both had something to prove. And also, I remember going into this match, I was very nervous because I had no clue who was going to win this. Literally, any, literally, you could make an argument for Ibushi or White winning this match, and it would have made sense at the end. But again, I, I do think that Ibushi coming on top was the right call to make. But And like, Jay White, like, definitely showed that he deserves to be like one of the top guys in, in, in the company. So oh, I missed one thing. The funniest part of this match. Ghetto on the outside. Show me that kiwi. Show me that kiwi. Show me that kiwi. Okay, Ghetto, I'll show you the kiwi. I forgot about that. I forgot about show that. Show me that kiwi. I forgot about that with Gato, but Gato aside, this match is fantastic. Like, really, really fantastic. Like, one of the best Wrestle Kingdom matches I've ever watched in my life. Uh, Farrah, what are your thoughts on the main event? It was beautiful. This was Ibushi's redemption arc. This is Ibushi literally... Becoming God, Kamininata. Um, no, like I already loved Ibushi before this. I loved him even more afterwards. It, it was mind blowing. And uh, to be honest, like I had mad respect for Jay White too. Um, it wasn't an easy fight, but he won. Um, yeah. Ibushi, I, 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 I was getting emotional. It was, it was like watching the TCS matches all over again. I got really emotional when my baby won, and when the the, um, the bitter Lij fans walked out again, it was amazing. Wait, Lij fans were supporting Jay White. 
<laughs> no, but like some fans did walk out again, but not as much as night one. Oh, I see. I see. Cause they, they didn't, they didn't want Ibushi to be the champion. Like, <laughs> They're like, damn it, Ibushi, not again. Yeah. But I do agree. Like this is definitely Ibushi's crowning moment to say, okay, I'm the top guy now. So I've won the title. I've defended it. I've beaten two of the top guys in the company. Now, tell me what else you've got for me. Yep, now Ibushi's a top. So, Brandon, you said that you have some news that you wanted to share with us. Okay, so the really interesting part, especially here with Jay White, and the reason why he probably lost, uh, the real reason, uh, after the show, during the press conference, he said that New Year's Dash was his last contractually obligated thing to appear he says whatever you want to do with me i'm done like you can do whatever you, whatever you want with me tomorrow but after that i'm done and people didn't, really didn't know whether it was a work to shoot but i had this report in fightful.com it said jay white could be leaving njpw super j cash reports several sources have indicated there is doubt over jay white remaining in new japan for wrestling his contract is rumored to be up at the end of the month though that wasn't confirmed the report goes on to say that it is that it is believed WWE will make a strong play for him and it is 50-50 whether Jay White stays in NJPW or goes elsewhere. Since that report, uh, New Japan have removed Jay White from their roster page. And uh, it's pretty much at this point, he's probably on his way to Orlando. He's probably on his way to WWE. And uh, I hope he makes a ton of money over there and I hope everything works out for him. Rainmaker, make your brain. Make a brain, make a brain. I, I, I have, I have my doubts that the main roster WWE will know that will know how to use a guy with this talent. But I think his character, if they use him correctly, if they use him correctly, will could shine on a WWE product. But only if that is the old man sitting in the chair will actually give him something to do. If you don't know, that old man is Vincent Mann, by the way. That, that well, probably needs to go well, there. Well, if the reports are true and he does end up in WWE, then which seems likely, which it, seems like it seems likely at this case, but we never know. It could be a whole swerve as well. Um, I think he would do well on NXT. Like they would, they would do what well, they would use him while well on NXT. I feel. That, that's that's just my feeling. If 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 if, he, if it does end up with him going to WWE or whatever, he would do well in NXT. Triple H would do well with that kind of talent, but Vincent Man, uh, I don't know. I mean, Triple H would really elevate him to the top, and then he'd go to the main roster, and his dreams would be crushed. I hate to be that guy, but. It, it, their track record with these kind of guys, other than maybe AJ Styles, is not fantastic. So that concludes our Wrestle Kingdom roundup. Um, so now we're going to round up the rest of this episode. Um, Pharaoh, before we love and leave you, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us, like any interesting stories or whatnot? So as always, I seem to run into famous wrestlers everywhere I go. <laughs> I would like to talk about how I met Jay White, Will Ospreay, B. Priestley, and Chris Brooks. And this time I was not wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh. And and it, and you said the all at like TGI Fridays or something like that. Yeah. So um during the first day of Wrestle Kingdom, before I went to uh the venue, 
I decided to have a late lunch at TJ Fridays, as we all do. And TJ Fridays was packed. And it turned out that uh, apparently all the commentators from the Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling uh, tournament at Krokuen were hanging out there. Like, it was all commentators and people who worked there. And I didn't know until later. <laughs> um, so sitting diagonally for me uh, was another foreigner. And I thought it was really interesting because, of course, uh, the borders are closed. So I only saw a handful of foreigners, you know, near the venue. And he had pink hair and he had a shirt that said Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. And I saw him get up and, like, bow to everyone around me. You know, saying, oh, it's got some of this, like, good work today. Uh, thank you for everything. And I was, like, really envious of the guy. I was like, oh, wow, he has a lot of friends and who are into wrestling. How do you make wrestling friends in real life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> like, I almost wanted to go up to him and be like, hi, you're a foreigner. I'm a foreigner. Let's be friends. We both like wrestling. <laughs> and um yeah like uh he's he was very slender i guess and he was wearing a mask uh, most of the time so I, I didn't recognize him or anything but then he took off his mask to drink a beer and i was like oh that beard looks like uh chris brooks's beard but last time when i saw osprey at tj friday's I thought he was Chris Brooks at first because <laughs> they were both British. And at that time they had sweats. They both had side sweat hair. So <laughs> and blonde hair. As, yeah. But, so, yeah. So I thought he, Chris Brooks had blonde hair. So I didn't think it was him, but then I went on Chris Brooks's um, Twitter and uh, lo and behold, it's him with pink hair, the same shirt, the same mask and everything. And I'm like, Oh my, oh my Ibushi, I'm sitting diagonally from Chris Brooks. Oh. Where's Takeshita? Where's Takeshita? Where are you hiding Takeshita? <laughs> somewhere drinking his Baileys. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, Takeshita was not there. <laughs> but um, no, I, I didn't uh, talk to him because he was talking to someone. I didn't want to interrupt. Um, but no, it was pretty cool just seeing him casually you know outside the ring i think we made eye contact twice though like i didn't say anything because i'm a nerd but uh, <laughs> <laughs> if takisha was there i would have definitely like pounced on the table be like hi <laughs> <laughs> i would like to interview you in english <laughs> that is my dream i really want to interview takisha <laughs> Uh. <laughs> but it was nice to see Chris Brooks and uh, night two of Wrestle Kingdom I, I wanted to use the Wi-Fi at TJ Fridays to upload some Instagram stories because I always do that after a match I always have fresh commentary there so I'm standing outside TJ Fridays it's like 9.30pm so like 30 minutes after the tournament was over kind of <laughs> three or four jobbies people are standing next to me and they were talking about how a lot of the wrestlers, they come out with the same exit at Tokyo Dome. So it's the exit that's, um, you know, you have to walk past TGI Fridays. Yeah. And I was like, ha ha, like that would even happen, you groupies. Because <laughs> I used to do that stuff when I went to a lot of concerts in DC and in Japan. And normally what happens is that the performers 
at the venue, they would actually take a secret exit out or like they would go a completely different way. So you would never actually see them. But no, like in comes Jay White in a mask, looking like a goat. (laughs) He it was so hilarious because he stayed kayfabe the entire time. Uh, He noticed that the people next to me were all wearing merch of uh, his rival, I guess, or the opposite team. So he looks, uh, they said hello to him. They're like, Jay White though, Jay White though. He's like, oh, fuck off, fuck off. And he's like, putting them <laughs> off. He's like, fuck you guys. Oh, well, well, yeah. That, that's that's peak Jay White, yeah. Peak Jay White. It was, I was so honored. <laughs> to see that. And he looks so funny with his mask on because he has a long beard growing out. Yeah, yeah. He looks like a chia pet. <laughs> so <laughs> I couldn't take him seriously when he said fuck off. <laughs> um and then right after him I saw um B Priestley and Osprey and they were very nice. I said um thank you to Osprey. He said thank you back. Um most of the wrestlers who came out um didn't look at us or respond to them, but I think it's because they're not supposed to and they're trying to go for point A point b during a pandemic so i totally get it but nah it was it was so hilarious and i love how dedicated like people like jay white are to like staying in character even when you know they're just trying to go home after getting beaten up by by a god nonetheless yeah yeah wait i wait i also remember you told me you accidentally ran into kaito kiyomiya like yes okay yeah he was the one who seemed like the most grateful for some reason like the people next to me were talking to him and i guess some other people who work for either new japan or um noah it's called noah wrestling yeah yeah and so he was like I can't play Masta. and like i could tell he was smiling under the mask <laughs> um and then like i think even after he said goodbye and thank you to us he was standing across Korakuen for a good like 30 minutes and people were coming up to him. Uh, yeah, because I remember that TJPW and Noah were running shows at uh, at Korakuen the same time as um, Wrestle Kingdom. So that's that's probably how you just like ran into him like by pure chance. So maybe he thought that you went to the Noah show and you're like, oh, thank you very much for supporting us, that sort of thing. I'm like, right, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, also you 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 can't say you you um, you can't really say that you that um you've uh, met a wrestler like every single day. So well apparently if- that happens to me every time I go to the, <laughs> go to Tokyo <laughs> Don't Work Rockway and I always end up running into them and talking to them. <laughs> Yeah, and you're like in yeah, like you said, you're in the prime position of like Tokyo, especially like Korokin Hall and stuff like that, where lots of wrestling happens. Like yeah. yeah, like I remember like I've I've bet like maybe six or seven wrestlers before. Like wow. most of them were just like through meet and greets or whatever. Like yeah, I've met like Maki Ito and and Yuki Kamifuku and who else? I make Takeshita. He just signed the autograph for me. Um, I've met Chris Brooks twice. He's a really, really nice guy. Like I've had a chance like talk to him and stuff like that before. Uh, who else have I met? I've met Mina Shirakawa. I've met Shima. 
and I've met Minoru Suzuki as well, funnily enough. Like that was literally, oh literally with Suzuki, I was actually scared. I was like nervous because number one, that was the first time I ever like met a wrestler in my life. Number two, it's Suzuki. So I'm just holding like the Suzuki gun shirt that I bought. And so so the thing that was happening at the show was if you bought like Suzuki gun merch, you could get it personally signed by Suzuki. So I'm standing there with my Suzuki gun shirt. There's Suzuki with like his like his um intimidating face. I like hold the shirt there. He's busy signing it. I get a handshake from him and I, I just tell him, Oh, you got the design muscle. I just walk away and go into the arena. So that was quite an interesting experience to say, like, oh, I've met Minoru Suzuki. Brayden, have you met any wrestlers before? I've met a few wrestlers, but uh never on the well, I guess I met Jerry the King Lawler, and that's a big deal around here. But uh I've never I'm not I haven't been necessarily as fortunate as you two to meet a lot of the cool Japanese stars. Hopefully one day when I actually move to Japan we can arrange that. That'd be sick. Uh you know, I'm gonna have to meet Jungle Kiana and try not to cry. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, like uh, I remember that. Try not to cry at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> the, wedding. Yeah, the wedding yeah yeah when, when she's walking down the aisle i try not to well up into you yeah, know I, i'm gonna be living with this woman forever yeah yeah like i remember like pre-covid at stardom you were allowed to meet the wrestlers after the show but because of covid you can't do that so when you buy nope. like uh when you buy like the portraits and stuff from the wrestlers they're like pre-signed already it's only DDT and TJPW that are still allowing um, meet and greets. Obviously, with like COVID like precautions, like the wrestlers have to wear masks. They have a to wear big masks. plastic sheet between you and the wrestler. So yes, the big plastic sheet. They're also wearing like the, the plastic the face cover. shield. Yeah, the face shield. Like they're taking precautions for days, but it's still a nice experience that you get to like chat and take a signature whatever from them. I'm not sure if Noah's doing that because I've not been to a Noah show before, but I remember when I went to DDT and TJPW, they allowed people to buy portraits and then get to side by the wrestlers themselves. So, yeah, that, that that's a pretty cool, it's still a nice experience to, to do that. I think they're also still running the DDT bar in Tokyo. So online, you, you can actually buy tickets for different things it's like going to a boys bar in japan honestly <laughs> a host club yeah it's literally like going to a host club or a boys bar it's awesome i need to do this but i'm too shy to go by myself so somebody please go it's, a host, it's a host club for marks <laughs> <laughs> it's a marks club that's what it is it's a marks club <laughs> it's a it's for me it's made for me so um i noticed like Takeshita promotes it sometimes like uh he'll announce like hey like we're gonna buy Hit like for example, Chris Brooks and I are gonna barge in for the night. You go on their website and you purchase tickets in advance, so you can purchase a ticket to play a game with them, or you can purchase a ticket to have a drink with them or something. Um, I'm not sure if they move this to online only, but it's nice to have that. Uh, another thing that I'm kind of bummed out with the whole COVID situation is that um, this very famous bookstore that's in like next to Tokyo Do. Uh, shut down a few days ago it shut down on january 11th uh, yeah, i remember i remember hearing about that in the news yeah like it, it had been open for over three years i believe and 
it was pretty disheartening because I didn't pay so much attention to it until I went for Wrestle Kingdom. Um, you know, before Wrestle Kingdom started, like I went to this, uh, the bookstore and uh, they are selling practically every back issue of Shupro ever. And so many Hana Kimura memorial editions of Shupro. And uh, it was like full of pro wrestling literature in Japan, everything under the sun. It was incredible to see. And um, yeah, they had to shut down because they didn't make enough money to get even. Um, There were no actual sales though. So I went the day before they fully shut down. And I saw a lot of other wrestling fans. I can tell by, of course, their LAJ merch. <laughs> and it's always the LAJ merch, people. It's always them. Yeah. Uh, I'm wearing an LAJ shirt right now. So. How dare you? How dare See, you? I can't show it on camera, but yeah. It's okay. It's okay. I forgive you. You're still my friend. Even yeah, though I am a Hiromu fan. Hiromu is like the exception to the rule. Hiromu is the exception, but besides that, I'm like, gee. Yeah, you're Golden a star, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, like I went there and uh, I think a lot of people also assumed that there would be a sale, but everything was regular price. I think it's because they can just ship it back to the publisher. So I walked in, I talked to the staff just to see how they felt about it. They were also quite sad because it's been open for such a long time. Um, but yeah, it felt like an end of an era when that, you know, bookstore shut down because it's like a prime spot for wrestling fans, especially. And it was kind of disheartening to see, you know, everything that was supposed to be sold out at Wrestle Kingdom still on sale. Like uh, you would go to the Lawson's by um, the Dome and nobody was buying like the Zima drinks. Um, but yeah, like um, I almost wanted to just get like Zima <laughs> because um, they were hosting like a raffle. So I think a couple of winners would get like a Tanahashi mask and a Tanahashi merch, uh, a New Japan merch. So I think it would be very easy to win because nobody is buying <laughs> the Zima at all. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Oh, the, the the high fly lemon. Yeah, actually, yeah, I actually had it the other day. I saw it at the north and I was like actually deliberately looking for it. I was like, where's it, where's it, where's it? And then I found it. It's like, oh, yes, I have it. And the high fly lemon. Yeah, high fly lemon. And I tasted it. It's like, oh, this is actually pretty nice. I mean, like, I only started drinking Zima because of New Japan because I, it's it's not it's hard not to miss like the giant bucket of Zima that they have like the backstage comments but yeah like I've tried Zima before and it's actually pretty nice I'm not I'm not we're not affiliated with Zima this is just my first Zima sponsor us yeah <laughs> Z- Z- Zima send us that check I'll be thanking you yeah <laughs> now now. And we'll work out a brother deal. Dale, you'll get like $2 of the check and I'll get the rest. Uh, That's no. the brother rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I give that brother rate. Yeah. Hot dog and a handshake. Good job, brother. Kind <laughs> of a left handshake. <laughs> Paul, hot dog, no mustard. Just just a microwave hot dog and bun. <laughs> $50, in a, $50 in a left handshake. Good job, brother. Good job out there because you pay, kid. <laughs> the only thing I, I mean I understand stardom is not as big but I wish I saw the same thing for stardom like I see so many 
New Japan merch every so much New Japan merch everywhere I go now. Like on Twitter, someone showed me that like, you know, for example, in Sunshine City and Ikebukuro, they have New Japan um, keychains and they're really cute. They remind me of like anime chibi keychains. And I really want a chibi ibushi. Chibushi. 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 But I don't see the same thing from Stardom. I'm like, Stardom has the worst merch designs ever. They need to like step up their game, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do agree though. Like, yeah, like the only like the only merch I really buy when I go to the stardom shows is just like the portraits, really, like the signed portraits. Yeah. But like, yeah, like, I do agree that like, yeah, with like a t-shirt design, it's not so elaborate like the New Japan stuff. Yeah, New Japan has the best designs ever, and uh, stardom, it's like slapping on a logo and calling it a day, or like slapping on some Ellis like Adobe Illustrator template. <laughs> And you can't even tell like who, which wrestler it's like for or whatever. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That is kind of true, actually. It's like who's designing this stuff? It's like who's designing this eighty dollar hoodie that's really basic and will fall apart? Like, <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather give cash to the wrestlers. Be like, Kiona, here you go. Have fun. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. And I think it'd be more meaningful, like meeting them and like paying. Okay, yes, a thousand yen. Can I please get your autograph picture? Yeah, yeah. It's more meaningful that way than like, okay, I'm gonna buy your T-shirt. That yeah, I don't really like the design, but I'm gonna support it either way. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So just to wrap things up, uh, for people who want to follow you on social media, where can they find you? You can find me at Farah Hakase, F-A-R-R-A-H-A-K-A-S-E on Twitter and Instagram. And we'll make sure to link those on the description as well for people who didn't quite catch that. So that's all from us. Uh, Brayden, would you like to wrap things up and say farewell to everybody? All right, folks, we we got to go, but just stay tuned because this week you're getting two episodes of the first week. That's right. We are going to review Impact Wrestling Hard to Kill. It's just going to be me and Dale this time going forward until we get Farrah back as a special guest. But it's gonna we're going to review Hard to Kill. It's going to be awesome. Uh, you're going to get two episodes in one week. But at the time of recording, Hard to Kill just finished last night. Like This is the morning after Hard to Kill. We're going to go to sleep. Dale's going to wake up, and we're going to record the podcast. It'll be at sometime this week, sometime after this episode. If you're listening to this episode after the day it came out, Hard to Kill is probably already up, so go listen to that. It's going to be a good podcast. And then we got some more good stuff coming for you, so just stay tuned and come back. Please come back. Please come back. Please. I'm begging you. Don't beg people. Don't beg people. You're going to earn their respect, son. El Desperado over here. Yeah, that's El Desperado stuff, dude. Hey, hey, kid. All right, right, guys, we got to go. Thank you for listening. Uh, Be sure to come back next week, and we'll see you later. See you.